0: Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB At-Bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only 3 dollars per month. Deep
1: left field. It's gonna go. Alvarez ties
0: the game. Subscribe to At-Bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
1: What's good, my friends? This is the most interactive sports talk show anywhere. It's Offsides, Mark Ryan and Diesel, and we are... The fan upstate rolling on until 7 o'clock p.m. today. Truly do appreciate having you with us. Uh, please excuse the voice battling through, through the crud. It is brutal. The wifey has been off since uh, last Thursday with this. Uh, as well. Uh, and uh, appreciate you guys uh be it, your patience. That's all I can say. Your patience. But thank you in advance for being my distraction over the next four hours. Here's how you can take part in the show. You can give us a ring at 844-FAN-PHONE. That's 844-326-3663 is where you can get to us on the Renewal by Anderson of the Carolinas Fan phone uh also the text line is there for you at 71307 just start your text with the word fan and away you go on the show all right coming up coming up on the show today my friends uh, we are going to give you something here in the open that you can't get anywhere else Uh, shane beamer opened his mouth again and I really wish that he hadn't about something that just makes absolutely positively no sense to me. Guys, um, we happen to just be in the crosshairs of some seemingly breaking insight yesterday. Um, I'll share with you what that is coming up at 3: 40 when we share a conversation that we had with the great Michelle Tofoya. There's something that I don't at all understand about the NCAA tournament projections in this state. That's coming up at 3 at 4 o'clock. We've got Chris Phillips coming your way at 4.30 p.m. And we have you here on the most interactive sports radio show anywhere. Always do appreciate you making us part of your day each and every day here on the show. Uh, Guys, it just an insane weekend for football, man. Just absolutely insane. Incredible. From beginning to end was just, like, it was just, it was unbelievable. You know, unbelievable. Yesterday's action to see Detroit make it to the conference championship game for the first time since 1991. All right? 1991. Uh, To be able to witness last night Buffalo and uh, Kansas City, and uh, Buffalo just cannot get, get by their hated rival. Can't get by them. It was something, uh, something to behold, man, something to behold, and uh, enjoyed thoroughly every single second of the action. Uh, let's open with this clip from Josh Allen. I think he says it perfectly. You know, a lot of times we put a, throw a microphone in an athlete's face. We expect them to sound like Pulitzer Prize award winners, this isn't that, but Josh Allen tells you exactly what it's like to be on his end.
2: Do you want uh, to kind of put into words the frustration of not getting past that team again in the postseason. Um, sucks. Losing sucks. Losing them, losing anybody
0: at home, sucks.
1: <laughs> uh Yeah, it does. It does. And, you know, like all of the sayings that people always say, the Chiefs are your daddy, the Bills should be paying the Chiefs rent because they owe them, own them. I Look, like, we've got a lot of Bills fans in this audience that are probably, like, totally destroyed and heartbroken today. And I now think Buffalo is the fan base in sports that has been through the most, more so than Detroit. I mean, if you think about Buffalo versus Detroit, right, Buffalo at least has made it to the Super Bowl. Buffalo has at least had glimmers of hope, right? Detroit has had nothing until now. I mean, I think those two and maybe Cleveland on the suffer meter are the, hi- are the highest. At the same time, you know, for me, Buffalo, all they've been through, all, that, all that's gone on, this, this is brutal. I mean, this was supposed to be their year. And so I'm left with no other choice but to tell you this in the open. They've got to move on from their head coach. They have got to move on from Sean McDermott. It's the way that it is. And I can illustrate this with you, to you, and it's amazing to me. And I feel like some of these fans, I think they're suffering from Gamecock disease. That is, they're used to being bad. They don't expect much. So whenever a coach gives them a glimpse of something, they want to grasp onto it with their whole lives. Look, I heard a little bit of that from Clemson fans as well recently with Dabo. Well, we were 6-5, and 7-5 and five before he got here. He has a right to be here as long as he wants. Let me tell you the problem with that mindset, the problem with that thinking. Coaches have lost their job for failure to maintain the higher bar that they themselves set. There's no dispute that Dabo raised the bar at Clemson, right? So is there no responsibility to keep the bar where it was raised to? If you raise the bar and you can't keep it there, you should be replaced if we raise the bar here at the fan upstate and we can't keep it there we should be replaced we reset what the expectations are and so you've got buffalo fans saying well no look at the look at our history he's the only coach who has given us a double digit win a double digit win season this millennium he's the only coach who's given us that we can't get rid of him Brother, you are wasting Josh Allen. You are wasting him. You have a sports car in the driveway, and you're putting conventional oil in it when you have Sean McDermott as a head coach. And so what I'm going to give you right here is a little uh, analysis. ryan analysis. How about that? A little analysis here from head coaches. Do you know that um, of every coach who has won a Super Bowl, Nine active coaches have done so. I'm going to include Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll on this list. Okay? Every single one of the nine did so at their team before year eight. Andy Reid, year seven in Kansas City. Mike Tomlin, year two in Pittsburgh. John Harbaugh, year five in Baltimore. Sean McVeigh, year five in Los Angeles Rams. Mike McCarthy, year five in Green Bay. Sean Payton, year four in New Orleans. Doug Peterson, year two in Philadelphia. Bill Belichick, year two in New England. Pete Carroll, year four with Seattle. Guys, the nine guys who have won a Super Bowl did, did so before year eight. Sean McDermott just finished year seven. If that can't convince you, that it's time to move on, that you're just spinning your wheels, that you are just, you know, being guilty of Einstein's definition of insanity. I don't know what will. I don't know what would convince you. You know, but, but Bills, no, he's our guy. McDermott is our guy. Okay, great. Waste the best quarterback you ever had. There's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot of coaches that could lose in the second round of the playoffs every single year if they have Josh Allen. Hell of a lot of coaches could do that. But you guys don't seem to care. Continue to suffer. No skin off my back. Do you guys know of any Buffalo fans who do not think they should move on from Sean McDermott right now? It's crazy, right? Like, it's like he's clearly every single time he plays an offensive coach, Sean McDermott looks over his skis. You know, last night they're winning the battle on the line of scrimmage and I never felt like Kansas City was threatened. I'm like, oh, gosh, like Kansas City's never punting the ball. Kansas City had five third downs the entire game. What does that tell you? It tells you they didn't even need third down over the course of the game. It is true that only three of the nine coaches who have won a Super Bowl did so in their first stop. Only three of the nine. The other six did so in their second stop. Okay? But... Coaches do it when they win the Super Bowl. It's on average year four with their current team. All right. The earliest was year two. Mike Tomlin, Bill Belichick, Doug Peterson. The latest was year seven. Andy Reid. Nobody does it before year two. Nobody does it after year seven. Okay. Nobody does it. When do coaches win a Super Bowl in general? On average, they do so in about year seven of their career. If you remove Andy Reid, it's year five, because Andy Reid did not win a Super Bowl until year 21. But Andy Reid had 14 Super Bowl winless years in Philadelphia. Again, got past year seven, never won a Super Bowl in Philadelphia. The data, folks, does not lie. It does not lie at all. So Todd Bowles was in year two in Tampa, did not win it. Dan Campbell's in year three in Detroit, could. Uh, Kyle Shanahan is in year seven in San Francisco. Could this be his last chance to get it done? It's year seven. John Harbaugh has already done it in year five, has a great chance to do it again. Um, And Andy Reid has already done it twice. Won Super Bowls in year 21, won Super Bowl, a Super Bowl in year 24 in his unbelievable career. Guys, you're not going to hear this anywhere else. Everyone's just going to hit you with an opinion about why Sean McDermott should be fired. I'm going to give you data. You don't win the Super Bowl after year seven. Doesn't happen unless you've done it beforehand. All right so let's let's acknowledge this for what it is mark are you saying that kyle shanahan should be fired if san francisco doesn't win it this year i think san francisco is going to win it this year i do At the same token you can see a trend you can see an ascension by san francisco okay i'm not seeing that in buffalo i'm seeing spinning of the wheels I'm seeing abandoning the run game. I'm seeing putting everything on Josh Allen's shoulders and hoping for a miracle. You know, I'm seeing an entire stadium gasp at the notion that that Kansas City is going to upset them again. I mean, it's incredible. You know, like, why would you continue to do the same thing over and over and over again and expect a different result? You either win it between year two and year seven, When you are the head coach of an NFL team or you do not win it at all. And I don't know why in the heck Buffalo cannot realize that. Buffalo cannot realize that. All right. 844-326-3663. That is 844-FAN-PHONE is the number to get to us on the show. The other sidebar I want to mention of this, okay, is the following. Is it time, okay, are we now at the place where Buffalo needs to send Kansas City a Father's Day gift? Are we now at that place where they can officially be called the daddy of the Buffalo Bills? That is the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, You know, look, Gus, we've had rivalry criteria. We've had who's your daddy criteria. If you've beaten somebody seven of the last ten games, you're their daddy. They owe you rent. You guys know in rivalries, if you won the last game, your name goes first in the rivalry description. Okay? In this case, Buffalo has beaten Kansas City the last three regular seasons. But Buffalo has lost to Kansas City when it really matters. And isn't that all that matters? I didn't think la- yesterday was going to be close. I didn't think it was going to be close at all. I had Detroit beating Tampa Bay by double digits. I had Buffalo beating Kansas City by double digits. But just like we always say, you don't know what pressure does to people. You can't predict it. Look at Dallas. Look at Buffalo. This is why you fought for the home field advantage that you earned to get big, bad Kansas City coming to your house yet again. Buffalo is a flawed team. They're a beaten up team. They're a team that needs Josh Allen to play hero ball and Josh Allen lost his right-hand man in Brian Dable. It's time to move on. You know, go find go find Josh Allen, his Mike McDaniel and see what happens for you. The future's going to be so bright you need shades. I'm tired of seeing Buffalo get outwitted outlasted outplayed i think that's the survivor theme right outwit outlast outplay i'm tired of seeing that tired of seeing that you know like cut the crap buffalo seriously i believe that um that kansas city is buffalo's daddy and i think we can now officially say that we can add them to the list because we know that south carolina still sends father's day gifts to clemson the red sucks Still send Father's Day gifts to the Yankees. All right. Ohio State sends Father's Day gifts to Michigan. LeBron James, Father's Day gifts to Michael Jordan. Texas A&M to Texas. The New York Mets to the New York Yankees. Michigan is the father of Michigan State. A paternity test told me that is true. Uh, Pitt to Penn State and the National League to the American League. Most definitely the National League to the American League. Uh, That is my take. I am sticking to that. What say you guys about that? About that. All right, my friends. 71307 on the text line is uh, where you guys can get to us. Uh, Texter says, Mark, I would love to see Josh Allen in Denver. Texter says... I was wrong on Buffalo. They went back to the old formula, but you were wrong on KC, too, kind of. Yeah, I didn't, like, that was a flawed team to me, man. KC's a flawed team. And that was just nothing more than efficiency and execution and coaching, maximizing the potential of the team. I don't think Kansas City beats Baltimore. I would bet you again that Baltimore wins that game by double digits. I'd bet you that again. Um, but when you have a, a, a team in a city with tight sphincters as Buffalo had a team that is tr- hoping they're going to win, you know, a team, did you, did you notice this at the end of the game, Buffalo's down by three Buffalo's driving, they're trying to run the clock out. What are you doing? Score a touchdown. You know, it's like the the, the play clock, eight, seven, six, five, four, three. They're telling you they're scared of Kansas City. They're they're letting you know that. They're like, okay, it's going to be a touchdown, a field goal, or bust. They ran the clock out on themselves. (laughs) They ran the clock out on themselves. I mean, they were the reason that one Kansas City first down meant the end of the game. Because they were so terrified of giving Patrick Mahomes the ball back. Yes, the kicker choked. We saw that happen the night before. Anders Carlson in Green Bay. I think firmly, Buffalo has uh, entered the category of uh, son to Kansas City's daddy. Do we or do we not agree with that? All right, my friend. Always do appreciate you. Thank you for your patience as I battle through this funk. Texter says, uh, "Mark, you're killing your voice. I've had an ENT doctor tell me that, but that's not what's going on right now. If you if you hear me hoarse, when I'm not sick, that's yeah, that's that. But uh, brother, we we've got it's you know what it's like, man. Like every room of the house is like piled floor to ceiling with Kleenexes. I mean, that's 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 where we are right now. But my friends, we will get through it together. All right." Uh, Up next on the show, Shane Beamer said, what? I don't understand. And I had a number of Gamecock fans ask me point blank, why are you such a hater of Shane Beamer? Okay. Um, The answer is I'm not, but I'm going to explain what's really going on and we'll do so next. Here on Offsides, uh, perhaps I'm half the man I used to be, but we'll rock out anyway. Here on Offsides, the fan upstate. Great to have you guys with us. Do appreciate you so, so much. Um, All right here. This is interesting. Texter Texter wants to see Josh Allen in Denver. Diesel is here, Texter. Don't worry. Uh, Texter says, Beamer is a little brat that cries. He's unqualified to be head coach. Josh lost his best assistant, and I'm a South Carolina fan. (coughs) Excuse me. I lost Lembo. To Buffalo. Lembo to Buffalo is, uh, is what happened there, and uh, that's going to hurt. That one is going to leave a mark. Um, you know, I, I, it's almost like you got to make a determination. you got to guess, right, because it's so hard to have continuity. We heard Cliff Ellis retire coast of Co- Coastal Carolina, and leaving because you can't build continuity in college sports anymore. The game that he signed up for was not the game that we're getting today. And so he's walking away. You can't build continuity. In order to have anything resembling continuity in college football today, I mean, that's going to, brother, that's going to take like eight to 10 years. So you got to ask yourself if this coach is the right one to to do that, if the right one is to succeed. And if so, I think you're going to have to give him eight to 10 years. And if not, you're going to have to cut bait with him early. But you need to be showing signs, okay? Like, you have to be showing signs of life. You can't, like, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm seeing too much inconsistency from Beamer and company right now. And, you know, like, we have something on this show, and we call it the BS meter, okay? Whenever somebody is speaking, we pull up the BS meter. Uh, Diesel, if you have the ding and the buzzer handy, we could use those here because I'm going to share a clip for you um, from one Shane Beamer. I'd love to know what Diesel thinks of this. I l- I'd love to know what you think of this. Um, so anyway, let's give you the backstory here. Okay, let's give you the backstory. Um, so Gilbert Edmond, all right, uh, an edge rusher where South Carolina desperately needs help. Transferred a year ago from the Gamecocks to the Seminoles. Won a conference championship with the Seminoles. Now is transferring back. <coughs> Obviously, um, Beamer is going to tell you. He's going to try to tell you why this is a positive. Guys, I'm not saying this because it's Beamer or it's South Carolina or Beamer one time got mad at me. I'm not saying that. I, I, look, what I'm what What I'm telling you is, I would never do what Beamer did here. Like, I, I would never take back a player that left my school for another school. It's just like that, that's something I would literally never do. You know, like I, I would just never allow that to happen. And, and so, you know, like Beamer takes the mic and he tries to spin this in a positive way. You know, because my question is, bro, why, why are you letting recruits walk all over you? players walk all over you do you you, like are you a doormat does your doormat say walk all over me because i mean like that's to, to take a guy back right thank you diesel to take a guy back after he leaves you that's what you're doing but i want you to listen to how the spin cycle that shane beamer is trying to put you if you're a gamecock fan in or you if you're a local media member in in to me what a load of bs this is so again He's talking about Gilbert Edmond returning to South Carolina, okay, from Florida State, was at South Carolina, played a year at Florida State, won a conference championship at Florida State, now back to South Carolina he goes. Um, Here is Shane Beamer entering the spin zone. Probably the biggest thing, it makes a hell of a statement about our program, a hell of a statement about our program that – You hear a lot of these guys that they leave here for different reasons and they want to go home. He went home. He went home to the state of Florida. He went undefeated. He won a conference championship and all that wasn't enough. He said, I want to come back to Columbia, South Carolina, because I realize now that the grass isn't always greener. And I realize now what. A special thing that we have at South Carolina is, and I want to give up because he's probably going to be a starter down in Tallahassee this next upcoming season. I'm willing to give that up to come back to compete for a role. Diesel, in your heart of hearts, do you buy that? I mean, are you? Is there any way you can buy that, or no. does that pass the BS meter to you? No, that that, that is. Um... Uh, one of my favorite
0: movies growing up, Mark, was a, was a fantastic Helen Hunt, Bill Paxton movie called Twister, and that is the amount of spin, an F5 tornado of twist
1: that Shane Beamer is putting on that situation. Imagine celebrating that you got your ex back after she left you for someone else. Like Imagine taking your ex back after that. And saying, oh, she's, she took me back because I'm a hell of a guy. I'm a hell of a guy. And, yeah, she screwed half Greenville. But you know what? She needed to learn that the grass isn't always greener. And now she knows. And I got her back. Boy, are we special. It says a hell of a lot about me, doesn't it? That she took me back. Look, she could have been a starter with this other dude. She, she look, look. She could have saved a horse and ridden a cowboy with that guy, okay? But instead of doing that, she came back to me. Look at this. What a great guy I am. Guys, I don't get this. I just, like, explain this to me, all right? This South Carolina program is really incredible. Even when you want to give them a break, you can't because they keep stepping in it. You know, like, it's, like, help me help you is a line in the movie Jerry Maguire, right? Like, help me help you, bro. Like, 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 what are you doing? And then if you're going to do the desperation act of taking a dude back who left you, don't try to, don't pee on my shoulder and tell me it's raining, okay? <laughs> like, seriously, what are you doing? Like, and that's exactly what Beamer's doing right now giving us some kind of reverse psychology sales pitch. A hell of a lot of our program. This guy left. This guy came back. Well, here's what my wife had to say about it. She said, yeah, this Edmund dude is effectively saying he realized the only way he was ever going to win a conference title was if he left. Now he's won one, so he can come back home. That's what he learned. That's what he realized. And, like, Beamer is the jilted X Welcoming them them back with open arms, with arms wide open. Like, I don't get it. Somebody please explain this to me. You know, like explain to me how and why you would continue to take guys back who have left you. By the way, do you know who liked that post? Darian Renscher, former running back Clemson, liked this post. You might remember we had a, a Darian Wrencher drop on the button bar for a lot of years, uh, for a long time. And it was, that would never happen at Clemson. What was he talking about? This. This. He was talking about a Gamecock becoming a Clemson Tiger. That would never happen at Clemson. You think at Clemson, Dabo's going to let a dude go to Florida State and then take him back? You think Dabo would take DJ Uyangalele back now? I mean, guys, come on. Come on. You know, like realize what you're saying here. So somebody asked me, Mark, like, why are you such a hater on Beamer? And my answer is as follows. I fundamentally have a a, a, an impossible time understanding what in the hell this program does. Okay? I like I, I I have a real problem understanding. what the hell this program does and is doing you know like i i don't get it i don't i don't i don't understand i genuinely don't understand so much of the behavior of the gamecock program why they act the way they do why they do the things they do the only explanation on my part is they've got tons of low self-esteem behavior they have a loser's mentality And all all of that is pervasive in their walls. Their fan base suffers from it, too. There are parallels between the Buffalo Bills fan base, who doesn't want to fire a head coach who loses in the second round with Josh Allen every year, and the Gamecocks. Well, we, we didn't win before him. Well, did you have Josh Allen before him? No, you didn't, did you? Okay, so now you've got, by all accounts, a top three quarterback in the NFL top three (laughs) okay like you know last year this year etc last year the top two quarterbacks were Jalen Hurts and Brock Purdy this year they're Jared Goff and Brock Purdy Joe Burrow Patrick Mahomes Josh Allen three best quarterbacks in the NFL you don't even have to say top five with a top three quarterback this dude can't get you further than Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Come on, man. Come on. I don't understand why South Carolina does the things they do. I don't understand why they behave the way they do. Please make it make sense to me because I don't get it. And I've only been here five years. I'd love to know what the deal is. Texter says uh, he was probably going to be a starter there next year. What a clown. Uh Texter says you're making a big deal out of nothing, but it is this show so not a shocker. Texter, like what do you mean it's nothing? Just like I'm trying to understand more about how you think because it's not how I think. Okay? Like to me there is nothing worse, okay, than taking an ex back who left you for somebody else. That has not once happened in my life. As far as I know, I've never been cheated on in my life, as far as I know, right? But I damn sure would never take somebody else back who left me for somebody else. Have I had a breakup where, you know, like, I didn't want the relationship to end, the girl ended the relationship, I tried to get her back? Yeah, that's happened. But never, I'm leaving you for this dude, and now I'm going to take this girl back? No way no way this guy left South Carolina for greener pastures this guy told Shane Beamer effectively to his face Florida State is better than you and then Beamer takes some crawling back and then Beamer spills it spins it that we've got a hell of a program here like what what how is that not a big deal when your program is doing things like that you know, like, how is that not a big deal? I, I just, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. And, you know, you got, um, you know, Gamecock fans saying, well, Mark Ryan, what about Hunter Johnson? Hunter Johnson was a Clemson quarterback, left Clemson, went to uh, Northwestern, came back to Clemson. What about that, eh? eh? And here's what I would say. Hunter Johnson was accepted back because he wants to get into coaching. Dude didn't play. There was no intention for him to play. You know, uh, Dabo essentially took him as a graduate transfer. So, I mean, come on, guys. Really? The guy left Clemson when he realized there was going to be no opportunity to play at Clemson to go to a place where he thought he'd have a chance to get on the field. Then he asked Dabo, can I come back? I'm no longer interested in playing. I just want to get into coaching. You know who else did that? Brian Schottenheimer, Marty's son, was a backup quarterback at the University of Florida. Never had any desire to play. Just wanted to learn how to become a coach. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Texter says, Mark, you're 100% correct. Teams like Dallas and Buffalo will never get to the next level with their current coach. Buffalo should go all in on Ben Johnson, Grant and Five Forks. How about go all in on Brian Dable, Giants head coach? That guy doesn't want to lose anymore. What do you say? Guys, you're going to hear a bombshell that was dropped on us yesterday by Michelle Tafoya, okay? Michelle Tafoya, uh, former NBC sideline reporter. Uh, I couldn't believe it when this happened live, and you're going to hear it next here on Offsides, we are the Fan Upstate. Man, Kyle Shanahan gave Matt LeFleur his, uh, his shot. And uh, whenever those guys play, it's always a nail-biter, right? 30-28, Packers win in San Fran 2021. 13-10, 49ers win in the divisional round 2022. You saw the game the game last night. They are instant classics, every single one of them, and uh, I was just glad to be along there for the ride, okay? And all I ask of you guys is to flush the house money statement. Nobody's playing with house money. You're never promised to be back here. So Green Bay should be crushed today. Houston should be crushed today, right? Credit to San Francisco for finding a way. Brock Purdy, surprised to say he still has doubters, but seem to answer questions for many of them. Our next guest, uh, she has been long my favorite sideline reporter growing up. Whenever I saw her on the sideline, I knew that it was a big-time game. Uh, Her name is Michelle Tafoya. She is now the host of the Tafoya podcast and involved in Triangle Park, a documentary based on the first NFL football game, Michelle Tafoya joins us right now on CBS Sports Radio. Good afternoon, Michelle. Always great to catch up. How are you?
2: Oh, it's great to talk to you. Whenever you say that growing up part, though, that's when I start to feel really ancient. <laughs> well, here's the reality, Michelle. I'm not old. So we all, we're all growing up, right? It's... You, you, you sound more mature than your age. <laughs> okay, great. That's well, a good thing if you're a broadcaster.
1: Thank you very much, Michelle. I, I'll have you know, my mom and dad still call me their kid. So, you know, it's that that hasn't changed. That'll
2: never change. That will <laughs> never change. Michelle, what
1: fan base would appreciate the Super Bowl the most, and why is it Detroit?
2: Wow. Uh, well, Detroit's just, its you know, oh, my gosh, this years and years and years of futility. And all of a sudden now you've got, promise, right? And I think they win at home today against Tampa. Um I I don't think that's a stretch. And then the thing is, if they have to go into San Francisco and beat this 49ers team that is on a mission, that's going to be the challenge. But I think Jared Goff has become someone that everyone can root for. The way he was treated in LA, coming back and being able to take the Rams out of the playoff picture this year was was satisfying for a lot of people who who love underdogs so you know yeah Detroit fans are <laughs> I love the way you say people should be heartbroken today that you're not playing without fun you're right about that I do like you know the future for for Houston and for Green Bay look very they, they look good because their quarterbacks are so damn good
1: Michelle Tafoya joining us here on the show Michelle what's the strategy? in temperatures like this when you're in these kind of elements that we've seen negative 30 below wind chill last week in kansas city 11. i hope they were grateful for each of the 11 degrees they had yesterday in baltimore you know you're working a game like that michelle can you walk us through just kind of what that's like i mean like not knowing what the rules are for your position are you allowed to be in the tunnel like when you're not doing your reports, or how does that work? What is your game plan?
2: You can be, and, I mean, the coldest game I ever worked was, uh, it was minus seven at kickoff. It was here in Minnesota when the Seattle Seahawks uh, faced the Vikings uh, in the playoffs, and and the Vikings, the Metrodome, had collapsed under the snow that year, and so they had to move the game to the University of Minnesota campus stadium, which was outdoors, and it was minus seven at kickoff, and Bud Grant, the Hall of Fame old Vikings coach came out for the coin toss wearing shirt sleeves, wearing a golf shirt, basically, (laughs) and made everyone, you know, chuckle. And, but it was brutal. And um, what I think one of the things that happens is everyone is sympathetic toward everyone else. Like you're all fighting a common enemy and that's the cold. And so, you know, everyone that's nice and warm and safe, like in that case it was Al and Chris up in their booth and our whole production truck Made sure that there was a spot for those of us who were on the sidelines to come and get chicken broth when we needed to, to to get warm. Uh, but there's really it's it's a lot of mind over matter. Um, you learn the tricks of the trade as as you go through it each time. Uh, what what kind of parka is going to work? What kind of hand warmers you need? What kind of foot warmers you need? It, it is not to be taken lightly. And I watching that that game in Baltimore, I had to chuckle because. There were times the officials were making their announcements on the mic, and you could tell their lips were frozen. They were just trying to get the words out. And uh, I found that kind of amusing.
1: Given that the answer to this is not Minneapolis, even though you're from Minnesota, uh, what city could you not wait to work a game in? You always were excited when you saw this city on the schedule.
2: Dallas. Dallas. Um, Just the, 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 the Cowboys know how to put on a game, and they know how to treat everybody, their fans, their broadcasts, their, their visitors. Uh, it's a beautiful stadium. It was just always so much fun. And we as a group, Al, Chris, our whole group, we had traditions. We had things that we did every time we went to Dallas, and that was really, really fun. Um, so, And it was indoors. I lo- I'm sorry, yes, I love sitting by a fire and watching outdoor games you get to a point over decades of covering football that you hate being in those elements. It's very tough. It's tough physically. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing. If you're the announcer in the booth, you've got a cup of hot chocolate. You you might be chilly. You might have to wear a parka, but you're also talking the entire time. For a sideline reporter, you know, you're getting on as much as maybe the kicker. And so you you, have really got to just grin and bear it until it's your time and then hope that you don't, you know, hope you can read your notes in the rain. Hope you don't look like it's a wet rat. All those kinds of things that, that the elements challenge you with.
1: Five-time Sports Emmy Award winner Michelle Tafoya oh, no, joining us.
2: four. I don't know where that number five got out there, but it's only four, so I've got to <laughs> correct it. That is,
1: that is truth in reporting right here. I, I love that. <laughs> love that. I'm doing my research over here, Michelle. It's on your Wikipedia page, okay? Yeah,
2: don't trust Wikipedia.
1: Yeah, okay, okay. Note to self, four yeah. times. Uh, four-time, which is four more than I have. But I'm working (laughs) on it, Michelle. I'm working on it. Uh, Is this the year Buffalo gets over their postseason Kansas City slumps? Asked to you, Michelle, under the pretense that they've beaten KC three out of four times in the regular
2: season, 0-2 in the postseason. I know. And I'm not really sure what that's all about. Um, Here's something to look for in this game. The Chiefs always come up with some sort of – I don't want to call it necessarily trickery – but disguise and an interesting play. They do it almost almost every postseason. You'll see, I don't know if people remember last year, I think it was, that they all started, they put their hands on each other's shoulders, got in a circle, and were like spinning around in a circle, and then broke, got on the line, and threw, ran a play, and unfortunately it was illegal and it got called back. But they do these interesting things, and Andy Reid loves to curate this from his players and say, come up with something creative. But make sure it's gonna work and then let's try it and let's give it a go and he does that quite a bit so the other i'll tell you i think travis kelsey is retiring after this season like his brother so i think there's just a ton of motivation there uh for them to to do this they they got bad mouthed at a certain point here in like the last quarter of the season as being you know maybe patrick was losing it which is kind of ludicrous but i think they're highly motivated i i I got to be honest. I think Kansas City wins this game. I think they go into Buffalo and they win.
1: The, the Travis Kelsey remark you just made, Michelle, uh, yeah. can you shed any light on that? Any inside knowledge there?
2: Well, I can't really reveal my, my sure. source, sure. but I, I can just say that, that I think he's looking at future plans. Um, yeah. And so now with his brother retiring, uh, you got to ask yourself okay. I kind of tweeted this out as a tease. I could totally see those two pulling a Peyton and Eli Manning sort of gig, uh, maybe on Peacock, be the companion piece to Sunday Night Football, where you've got the Peyton and Eli cast on ESPN2 for Monday Night Football. Why doesn't Peacock do that with the Kelsey brothers on Sunday Night Football? I think it would be – it's obviously something that has worked with the Mannings, These two have a very successful podcast. I I run into people from all walks of life who love their podcast. And now you've got the Taylor Swift factor in there. I don't know, you know, is that a permanent thing? We'll see. But uh, these two have – they're very funny, and they're very fun to listen to. And i got to believe that that's something that could be viable.
1: How and when do you formulate your on-field questions – in a down-to-the-wire game like Green Bay-San Francisco. I mean, you're, you're over there, Michelle, you're getting ready. You don't know who's going to win. Mm-hmm. And then you're expected to go out there and, and ask uh, the key player uh, a provocative or thoughtful question that mm-hmm. you've had very little time to devise.
2: Well, when you're really, really well prepared, um, there are certain themes that you know you're going to Kind of build around for starters, but in a in a nail biter like that, you're preparing for both sides. Okay, if San Fran wins, who am I talking to? If Green Bay wins, who am I talking to? And what am I going to ask each one of them? The first thing you got to do is is figure out what what made the difference. You know, was it on a field goal? Was it what? And you got to go there first. You got to go to the moment um, of. You know, whatever the key play was down the stretch and get at that first because they're riled about it. And that's, that's really, that's the difference in the ball game. So you have to start there. Then you work, you, you gotta listen to the answers too because there may be a follow up that absolutely must be asked. And then, uh, and then you get to the whole big picture of, you know, winning a playoff game and then ultimately you get to advancing and what's next. So there, there, is an, there is an art and a science to it, and you kind of have to blend the two. But um, if you're well-prepared, uh, you ought to be able to do it. And the main thing is make it about them. Don't try to make your question sound super smart or super intellectual or, you know, well-thought-out with great vocabulary. Make it about them. Make it about the moment. Make it simple. And think about what answer you're hoping to hear, not what you want your question to sound like.
1: Michelle, um, I have nothing but positive thoughts, positive vibes towards Lamar Jackson. However, mm-hmm. I have a strong disdain for the MVP being a regular season award. Uh, yeah. This is a player, a team, that has had limited postseason success. Admittedly, yesterday helped. But Lamar is in his sixth year. He had one playoff win before prior to yesterday. Do you get the sense Baltimore is different this year? If so, How?
2: I do get that sense, and it's what I saw this weekend. Um, you know, the first half of their game, I thought, "Uh oh, you know, what's what's going on? Is this the, the rustiness of the time off they had the first round by?" But then they came out in the second half, completely adjusted, completely on both sides of the ball, and I thought, "Okay, this is a team that that is ready." And then saw what they needed to fix and fixed it at halftime, and not only fixed it. By design but executed it really well and he is executing really really well you know I've had an interesting thought about Lamar remember he negotiated his own deal he didn't yes. use an agent to renegotiate but you would think that would come with a ton of pressure but in an in another way if, if you have an agent who says I'm gonna get you millions and millions of dollars and then they go do it you might ask yourself gosh am I am I really worth all that whereas if you go negotiate your deal and you say, I am worth this because, and here's what I will give you, and here is what I promise, and maybe we build in some incentives that I know I can reach. Now your motivation is a little different. You've done this. You've, you've put this together. It's, all the accountability is on you, and you could look at that as pressure, but, but you've been invested in this from the time you started negotiating your own deal. So I, I found it really interesting. There are times in all sports, whether it's the NBA or baseball, where you've seen guys get these unbelievable deals and then just kind of have a kind of not mediocre, but less than expected season. Um, And so, and now you look at Lamar with I think his best season to date, and you kind of have to ask yourself if there's some sort of connection to him, you know, planting his flag in the ground and saying, here's what I'm worth. I know what I can do. I know what it's going to take. And let me go show you. And now he's showing everyone. So I, I hear what you're saying about the MVP thing. And, look, I think Christian McCaffrey could have been MVP as well. He is, he is an astonishing talent. And, I, and every time he carries the ball, I, he, he, he surprises me, which is hard to do. Um, but, look, he's a quarterback. He's leading Baltimore in a way that we haven't seen in the past. I think if, if they ever had a, a year, this is going to be that year.
1: Michelle Tafoya joining us. Michelle has a podcast, Tafoya Podcast, on uh, X or Twitter by the same name, at Tafoya Podcast. It is Michelle Tafoya, unfiltered, much like she's been in uh, in this segment today. Michelle, I'd love to hear a word about your podcast and also Triangle Park, based on the first NFL football game, an outstanding documentary. You've got some fascinating projects that you're working on. Would love to hear a little bit more.
2: Well, that's kind of you. The podcast is just like what you said. We talk about everything, and it's been really fun and really liberating. And so, um, you know, things you can't necessarily say when you're part of the number one show on television, as I was with Sunday Night Football, you, you, you don't want to invite controversy. Now I just don't care. And so we talk about all kinds of stuff, and I have some fascinating guests, some you've heard of, some you've never heard of, but you should. So that's that. The Triangle Park is coming on to Amazon Prime pretty soon here, so people are going to be able to download it. It is about the first ever NFL game. And you might think you know what that game was, but I'm 99% sure you really don't. And so that's the tease I'll give, but it includes uh, Eric Dickerson, Troy Aikman, Joe Buck, Chris Collinsworth, Susie Colver Ben Roethlisberger, um, Sean McVay, Cooper Koppel. Lots and lots, Joe Theismann, lots of people uh, in, this, in this film. And so I encourage you to look for it. Uh, the release date is here going to be during the playoffs. And you know what? I'll shoot you a date when I have it uh, in stone.
1: Can't wait to check that out. Michelle Tafoya, my friends. Michelle, always love the conversation. Best of luck with Triangle Park. And, uh, and have, an, have an outstanding 2024.
2: You as well. Thanks for having me as always,
1: Mark. You got it. All right, Michelle Tafoya, the one and only.
0: Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market regular season game on your favorite streaming devices, anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode, and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows.